Jesus. It's fucking old as dust. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I finished the book. Airframe. Yes. Yeah, and? And that was a sweet book. Yeah, dude. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. The whole thing? Everything. Yep. The build-up was perfect. Yep. Things just got more and more stressful. The shit was about to hit the fan. And then, to make matters worse, right at the climax, it was revealed what was actually going on behind the scenes in every respect. Yeah. Yeah, man. And that was it. Great book. That was a good book. It was a great book. And not too long. No. They didn't waste time with frivolity at all. Nope. Just get to it, down and dirty. What the fuck is going on? Yep. In the story. Just a good story. Yeah. I read a book. It took me three weeks to read because I sort of haven't been in it. After reading those Wheel of Time books, the last one, I was like, I need a fucking break. And I started reading uh, American Psycho. We've all seen the movie. And I remember when it came out, I was excited about it. And I was obviously a younger man when it came out. And my priorities and interests um, were certainly far different. Um, It was easy to be disassociated from what the actual implications of the movie were. Like, it was just a fucking movie. Anyway, so I read the book thinking or knowing sort of the gist, right? And I started reading it and it was very much like the uh, business card scene. Right, the whole movie was like the business card scene. Oh, the whole book was like the business card scene. Very detail-oriented. The entire book was a very interesting social commentary. It was weird because watching in the movie, and we can cut this out, uh, because I can't imagine you're going to read the book, so I'm going to probably do some spoilers in it, because the book fucked with me. Mm -hmm. To jump around here is that I really recommend that book. I also really recommend not reading that book. (laughs) So it's incredible social commentary. There's the whole American Psycho part of it. So you're waiting for it for a really long time. And it took me a long time to to get to a part where I was like, okay, this is interesting enough to stick with it. Because it was just about talking about their fancy clothes and the cards and the fucking businesses and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay. You're a fucking... You're a psycho. You're fucking crazy. And then the killing started. Not started, but leaked more into the story. Mm-hmm. And it was fucking incredible. It was so vile. Yeah. It yeah. was... It was. I had to put the book down a couple times. The book made me cry twice because I was sickened by what I was reading. It was unreal. From the detail of what he was doing? The, the detail person? of what he was doing, what he was who he was doing. While he was doing it. No, because oh, okay. what he was thinking yeah. was what he was doing. There was no inner monologue. It was okay. all acted out. So it was just pure carnage. Brutal's not even to begin to describe it. It was just pure carnage. It was it was it was wild, Carl. Like I said, and I had vividly to stop. Described. Like incredibly vividly. 
and disgusting mm-hmm. the things that he did. Right. When I, like, I couldn't put it down, but I haven't figured out if I couldn't put it down because it was just so engaging or it's because I needed to get it over with. And it was both because it was fucking horrible. And at the end, like, I sum it up with, like, one sentence. The book was genius. I hated it. And it really was. The book is genius. It's awful. I recommend reading it, and I recommend never, yeah, yeah. ever reading right. that book. Because the imagery could give you nightmares. It did. It did. Yeah. It did. It fucked with me. <laughs> because it wasn't just the imagery. Like, it was initially. It was the imagery. It was who it was, and then it was what he did. How it was described, blah, blah, blah. So there's all of that. And then when you get to the end of it, and the book is over, and you have time to sit on it, the the horribleness doesn't stop because you start putting bits and pieces together that you didn't really, I didn't really register until the end, until I had time to soak it in. And it was just like this whole book. As he de- as the author described what he was doing to this this person was exactly how they described their clothing, their uh, the business cards. Right. It was all. It's all about detail. And it was just it was it was wild. He reveled in the detail of what he had and yeah. did. Yeah. Like even when he took a shower. Yeah. In and, the movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. I only saw the movie. Right. You know. His regimen on taking care of him. Yeah. Most women don't go that serious about how they quaff themselves. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 16 of TalkBox. TalkBox. The bots that talk. We're going to read the Satanic Verses tonight in honor of Salman Rushdie because I want a fucking bounty of 3.3 million by the Iranian government. Fuck, man. Damn. What a world we live in. I didn't know we were doing that. Sorry. Sorry. I, I got it ready. Oh, okay. Once upon a time, mm-hmm. there was a... Anyway. But that's not really what we're doing on this episode. <sighs> Thank God. This episode is... Um, Adam is finally letting me do a thing on um, improv. Except, uh, as he may or may not have mentioned before we turned the recording off last time... Um, he challenged me to uh, do less explaining of improv, but I'm going to do some anyway, but uh, focus more on doing, showing, and that's yeah. what we're going to try to do. Yeah, this is, um, it was a topic that we talked when we were brainstorming of what the fuck we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And this was one of them. And I have been interested in trying it out Um just, I've always been interested in trying it out, but it's always one of those things that you see people doing improv on a stage and you're like, the the cringe is too much for yeah. my spine to handle. But the, it, I've always thought, as you had written in your book, mm-hmm. that there are real life applications to this skill set mm-hmm. um, that are very intriguing. Yes. Over and above of just trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. Which I enjoy doing, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, the the practical use of it uh, was, uh, is is very interesting to me. So, 
this this topic is selfish in the sense that Carl gets to talk about something that he loves very much, but it's pretty much to teach me what the fuck is going on. So, mm-hmm. And to take some of our listeners for a ride if they want to go. So I'm going to have some things to say uh, after the after each of these games, and then I'm going to have probably a, a lot to say. And I probably won't have enough time to say everything that I want to say about improv in this one episode. So we, we may revisit this topic sometime in the future, um, because the one thing that I... It took me a long time to understand about improv is that it doesn't exist for the reason that people think it exists and it's not meant to be funny right when it is wow great but it doesn't need to be nor must it be improvisers who know their stuff detest the program whose line is it anyway because it paints a false portrait of what improv is about. Whose line is it anyway makes it look like every skit is great. Every skit works. Every skit is hilarious. And they are very talented performers who have gelled with each other and know the craft so well that they probably do succeed more often than they fail but they still fail. But you'll never see that because that doesn't make for good programming. If you were to go to a show at Loose Moose Theater, you would find that every other scene is either meh or oh my God. That was painful. How can they even look at themselves right now? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is the key because you, you have to learn that you're going to fail again and again and again until you finally get and become good at the skills that will assist you in succeeding in a scene with anyone. Right. And one of these days, probably in a future episode, I'll talk about the penultimate example of that which was uh, Rebecca Northern's play, uh, Blind Date. Oh my God, I could, I could fill an episode just with that. But So we're going to start with some activities. Um, I struggled finding activities that could just be done with just two people mm-hmm. because most of the time you're doing it with groups of people. So um, uh, it's not going to be as exciting of an improv game as you would get if we had a group of people with us. Um, but, you know, whatever. So this first thing that we're going to try is called word association. And the idea behind it is I'm going to say a word and you're going to say the first thing that comes to your mind in response to that word, at which point I will then associate to what you said. And we're just going to go back and forth. And the only instruction that I will give you is don't think about it. Just say it. When do you know the game has concluded? You stop when you don't feel like doing it anymore. Okay. Or the person supervising the game or running the game goes, okay, that was good. Or, okay, 
how about you try this instead because you're just not, you're trying too hard. You're in your head. Get out of your head, listen to me. Respond to me. Just let your, let, let it go, whatever it is, because it's stream of consciousness. Okay. Not, will this be funny? Understood. Don't think about that. Okay. Okay. Now, <clears throat> before we begin this game, I'm curious, are there exercises or things that you or people would do before you begin a game like this? Or is this the yes. game that preps you? Yes. So there's things that you do to sort of yeah. defrost. You would typically start the group out, especially if they're new, mm -hmm. with a lot of physical uh, activity. Okay. So it might be, Interesting. It might be things like, um, uh, let's, you know, do a little bit of a warm-up, a little stretch or whatever. Let's form a circle and someone count and anyone else give the next number. And if two people say the number at the same time, you have to start over. So there, the pressure isn't on each individual right all at once right because right now i'm going to be putting all the pressure on you right right that's right. why well, i'm asking me. right 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 but th this is very unrealistic there would be more people to share in the pain and the stress sure okay right and that's why i asked is it's, because it's a progressive warm-up because you're jumping right into that cold water yeah and that's and this is and i've and i've played this game before okay uh, with therapists no <laughs> uh, but um and it is, it's a very difficult game after, after a while because it's, um, I had found, like I'll, I'll try and shut the fuck up and we can just get to it. But yeah. um, like I know that there's got to be something to def defrost it a bit. So, because going in cold can make it tough. Well, and this is only game one. Yeah. There will be others. Right. So, right. you know, the, there's a, there's a, a method to my madness here yeah. and, and it'll either work, it'll fucking fail fantastically right or we'll be doing another episode tomorrow right okay 16b <laughs> <laughs> and the failures are just as a, are just as important as the success oh, absolutely so, they are. yeah man i know i get it no fear no 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 fear um so you ready for this yeah okay wood beans poop car horn beep see um see yeah. I'm a, now i'm a blank uh because all that came back was horn again. Ha! And I should have just gone with that. Yeah. But yeah, I no, didn't you... want to do it again. Interesting. So let's let's start over. Okay. Uh, you start with Fish. Wood. Poop. Meat. Beef. Arm. Blood. Cat. Whisker. Floor. Hero. Headband. Sweat. Glands. Sweat. Wet. Towel. Fuzzy. Beard. Fuzzy. Cat. Ugly. Cat. Smash it. Hammer. <laughs> Metallic. Jeez. <laughs> Taste. Iron. Rust. Broken. Glass. Beautiful. Girl. Smells. Fishy. <laughs> Childish. Joke. Failure. 
laugh, engaging, eyebrow, raised, thinking, too much. Yeah, indeed. So that was better. Yeah. Because we didn't block our instincts. Right. Our instincts said, yeah, I'm going to say the next word. Too bad. Right. Do it. Right. It's going to lead somewhere else. Right. Don't, don't think about it. Something and, else and happened that, when yep. we looked each other in the face. Yes. It also happened. Yes. Because when we were looking away, I found myself, I'm saying words at things that I'm looking at. And I'm like, no, it's cheating. You're cheating. Because you're not, you're not spouting off the first thing you think of. It's now, the first why thing you do say. you think it worked better when we looked at each other? Because this is, this is something very interesting that you have discovered. Because I stopped thinking. I stopped thinking and about... And instead... It just, it just came out. Right. I just responded. Yes. To me. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And yeah. that's the point. Okay. Improvisers, when they try to do something, mm -hmm. whether it's tell a story, play a game, their ego wants to be clever. Right. You want to be funny. Right. And the goal of improv is to not think about that. Right. What you want is to be genuine. Right. You want to be natural. You want to react to what just happened. And that's why it worked better when you looked at me and I looked at you, because we fed off of each other's words instead of just trying to find a clever word to come next. And interesting. that's the key. That's really very interesting. Because I wasn't... I wasn't trying to find a clever word, but there was still, when you would say a word, mm -hmm. four words would show up in my head. Really? Yeah. That and then I, three, yeah, three or four words would show up and then I have to pick it. Right. Which was irritating because it fucked up the flow. But when I stopped looking around yes and I looked at you. Made it easier to pick something. It just happened. Right. Because... I am responding to you, right. but I'm not only responding to your words, but I'm responding to body language. Oh, yeah. And Absolutely. there is no room to think. Mm -hmm. I eliminated the room to think. Yeah. And, the, and I mean, you know, we're kind of getting ahead of, ahead of ourselves here. I'm good at this. Okay. But, no. <laughs> well, here's the secret. Oh. Everybody is good at Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Yeah. When they let go. Right. And just do it. Mm-hmm without thinking about it. But when you watch improvisers who are still kind of learning their craft, mm -hmm. they will retreat back into their head when they are in trouble. Case in point. Right. You might mm -hmm. be on the stage with someone and they say, I have some bad news. Your dad died. Now, there's two ways, there's a million ways, but there's two basic ways the partner on the stage could react to that announcement. Right. One, the way you would right. if someone actually said that to you, right. for real, in all honest reaction, and yeah, sure, you want to play it up, whatever, you know, displaying emotion and, and hamming it up a little bit or amping it up a little bit is perfectly fine because then you feel it as if it were real. Sure. Um, 
or closer to being real. And then the other uh, possibility is you retreat into your head because now you're thinking, what should I say here? What's the right thing to say? And that's a mistake. Interesting. That's interesting, Carl. That's a now, mistake. Now, I'm curious. Now, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... When you say that to me, I immediately had a response. And I knew that there's two paths. One could be the genuine path, mm-hmm. which would be, oh my God. But that's not going to be the response because... I also understand that this isn't real. Mm-hmm. So my initial response isn't, what should I say? My brain was just like, neat. I didn't... So what I'm, what I'm, why I'm saying that is, is I'm curious, does the, does the statement you said, did you retreat back into your head and ask yourself, what should I say? In that or space... Do. Or do. In that space between you saying that and me saying neat... Did I do that there, or did I simply respond with neat? The reason why I ask that question is because I've often been told that I'm quick. Something happens, and I'm quick to make a joke, quick to respond, and I never fucking think about it. It's just, it just comes out. Mm-hmm be it clever or it bombs, mm-hmm. one, either way. Mm-hmm. But very rarely do I stop and think about it. But I'm inter- I've always been interested, because th- this is just me being up my own ass, going, um, trying to find like the, the levels of consciousness. Like, mm-hmm. does that, did I retreat? Probably not. Is, or am I just responding? Because I'm not trying to be funny. But I also know you're not telling me my dad's really dead. Right. Right? Right. But if I was, if, if, if this scene were playing out on stage and the artistic director was sitting in a chair in the front row and observing the scene and I said, I have bad news for you. Mm-hmm. Your dad is dead. And your immediate response was, neat. The artistic director would either, if they trusted you, go, okay, let's see where this goes. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, it's going to say, really? Yeah. Neat? That's how you would react to the news that your father just died. Right. And if you said, well, actually, yeah, because, well, it's it's a long story, then, you know, he might say or she might say, okay, then, all right, sorry that I interrupted. Start the scene over and then see where it goes. But... The, the master of ceremonies, the artistic director, is always looking for genuine reaction. Genuine yeah, yeah. Yeah, response. neat certainly comes across as disingenuous. Yes. But the, the th- Unless you can follow it up with a, a justification beyond that, that go, oh yeah, okay, right, of course, because he's been looking forward to this right. day or whatever. So it was a justified response because of his, you know, mindset to that announcement. Right. Okay. But but if it's interpreted as trying to be funny, then they're either just not going to bail you out if you tank or, you know, they're going to let the scene die naturally. Yeah. A, a beautiful, uh, elaborate death. Um, or they'll just like cut the scene and say, yeah, no, this is... I'm bored out of my mind, and so is the audience. So let's just stop it right there and move on to something else. 
because because the audience is only going to um, maintain interest in a story if the story resonates with a what you kind of expect right should happen or b wish would happen right right because sometimes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the audience mm-hmm. revels in the courage that the storytellers show on stage. They go places. Oh yeah, it's a vicarious. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You're living through their 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 uh, their adventurousness. So the natural behavior of someone who and I, this is very common with things like stand-up comedians and people who have endured a lot of trauma mm-hmm. who can be funny. Yeah. Is that they take uh unfortunate things and they immediately make them funny now i'm curious in improv is that something that is worked to be broken down because in the your dad is dead knowing that it's not real my inclination is for it to be funny but it is a a, an internal response to trauma is to be funny. Yeah. No. Um, Do you know if, what I mean? If a scene is evolving on stage on a topic that is sad or depressing or mean or violent, you know, is not likely to end on a positive note, we still want genuine responses in the back and forth between the people on See, stage. See, and I get that because, and that's if a scene has more gonna, context. We're not going to try to make it positive if it started out I get negative. It. Right, right. And But but that's contextual for the entire scene. Mm-hmm. But in the example given is that you started this scene. By saying, hey, your dad died. Right. So now moves. there's no context other than this one line. Right. So that is absolutely... It can go in any direction. Right. Yes. Right. But the so more I'm on that board. is said and done, you're now kind of yes. narrowing... The, and I'm with you path. on that, right? Yeah. Like if there's a, a tale being told mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you take a hard left turn, mm-hmm. well, no one's going to enjoy that. But if you take your left turn really early, mm-hmm. then the journey can continue as long as it's... Right. A good journey, but that's the case with anything, isn't well, it? Well, I mean, since we're talking about it anyway, um, the way that uh, a seasoned improviser who's coaching uh, performers on stage would typically want a scene to go is first a relationship is established between the people that are present. Mm-hmm. Okay. While establishing what's happening so you know it's the dad and this or it's it's two friends and one is telling the other that that their father died okay so now we know what it's about who they are and maybe where they are matters sure the beginning of a story should always be the establishment of who's involved and what's going on and it doesn't have to be, there doesn't have to be anything uh, bad or good about the scene. It's just moving along. And then there should be a tilt. And the tilt is usually something 
is done or said that changes one of the one of the characters in the scene. So uh, if we were doing a scene about, hey, I have bad news for you, your dad just died, and you reacted by saying something, and then I reacted to that reaction, and then you continued your reaction based on what I just said, because that's what it's all about. Sure. You're not trying to continue your story. The You're story. trying to continue the story based on what er is happening around you. Yeah, the story, being said not by my everybody story. else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if someone happens to say, you know, so when are we going to the funeral? Um, you want to continue on that topic. You don't want to go... Well, I wasn't really planning on talking about the funeral. It's the yes and. Exactly, yeah. right? You don't want to monopolize the story and try to force it into the direction you want it to go. Um, but sooner or later, someone is going to throw a fastball or a curveball into there by saying something like, yeah, I'm not going to the funeral. And then everybody's like, what? Yeah, Wait. I hated your father. Okay, there's the tilt. So first of all, we're dealing with the fact that the father is dead. Now someone has finally come clean that they, they couldn't stand the man. And now, so how does that play out? And then you might get defensive and start, you know, arguing with them. Like, how could you, how could you hate the man after all that he did for you? Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, trying yeah. to, you're trying to continue the story in a manner that seems to make sense based on whatever boop, pops into your head next, but while also taking everybody else's contributions into account. Because that's typically what would happen next. It'd be like, you know, someone else jumps in and says, how can you hate the guy when he he was your hockey coach, for Christ's sake? Right. Well, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, well, I'll tell you why. Right. It, right? And then it just goes. And then at a certain point, something happens or is said that just happens to be the perfect conclusion right. to the scene, even if it's not over. No, no. But you can feel that. And, and yeah. you can. You can sense it. And if no one else senses it, the artistic director will take his hand down and go, you know, take down the lights. And then the person in the booth is watching for that cue and they'll take down the lights they are even given the power to do it themselves right. if they sense if it, they feel it, if they yeah. feel it. Um, and, and you can actually uh, veto that. You could say, no, 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 we're not done. Uh, I've got more. There's more, right? Even though that might have been a natural ending to the scene. And yeah, it just, it just it's a, when it works, and even when it doesn't work, it's just a story begins, there is a tilt, Someone is changed by the tilt, and there has and and you try to find a resolution. Let's try another one. That's awesome. Oh yeah, this is a very similar game, except now it's less about just random nonsense association, mm -hmm. and it's actual story building. Okay. And it's called Word at a Time. Okay. Probably the oh, most yeah. commonly known yeah. improv game in the world. Yeah. And the idea is 
you you don't want to think again. The 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 rule is the same. You want to get the next word out as quickly as possible, but now you're actually trying to tell a logical thread of a story. So it would be something like once I did that bad thing, which I had never done before. We took a kid and pushed him over the fence. He fell onto bushes, which were thorny, and it was a terrible scene. He had a horrible day. <laughs> See how that goes? Yeah. See how that goes? And and um, there there are games that the participants that in that game will try to do when they can't think of what should come next. So like uh, one of the one of the um, things it's called waffling, and one of the things that people will do when they try to waffle is when it, it, it goes like say once upon a time there was a very, very, very bad, right. awful. Just yeah. say it, right. right? Stop waffling, right? Or you know, or they'll use some kind of catch-all word that you could just throw in there, mm -hmm. because you don't, you're not going to be bothered to try to come up with something. Right. It right? doesn't progress the story. No, it doesn't. It's just exactly, cheating. it doesn't right. progress the story at all. And, and then it gets boring, and it gets boring so fast. Oh, yeah. Whereas if you just, if you just let it flow, yeah, man. And, and if it crashes and burns, whatever. Yeah, you man. start over, start right? Or you try a different story. Um, that, actually went, that actually went pretty good right. for the first time. But, you know... That game is wonderful. It is a wonderful game. And one of the reasons why it's wonderful is, number one, it gets you out of your head. Number two, it gets you reacting to your partners. Uh, number three, it exercises your imagination. Number four, the audience are enthralled because they could never, ever imagine being able to do that. Little did they know. It's so easy. It's so fucking easy. You, you just, gotta just get over have yourself. to get over yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Not be afraid to fail. Right. You're going to say the wrong word. That's right. You're going to say the wrong That's word. That's right. You're going to you say. Know what? You're going to say which. Doesn't matter. Like, fuck. Exactly. Fuck. Exactly. What does anybody do with that word? I know. And even you know when it comes out of your mouth. I you're know. Like, oh, it's like, fuck it. I just fucked it for him. That's how it goes. Um, okay. So. Now, we'll take the pressure off a little bit. Um, and, of course, the, through the magic of editing. We need gonna... to do this. We should do this exercise before we do our podcast. You think so? Dude. You'd like that? To, you'd like I to think do so. That? I would fucking do this exercise always. So this could be like the new opening before the uh, while the music is playing. Yeah. We're, we're just wrapping up a game of word at a time. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so so, so this next game mm -hmm. uh, is a little bit more cerebral, um, and you actually have to think about what you're going to say mm -hmm. for a change, but the goal is always the same, and the goal is you, you want to come up with four words that, if spoken, would ruin a first date. Four, only four, no less, 
no more. And through the magic of editing, of course, there aren't going to be too many uncomfortable pauses. So four words that, if spoken, would ruin a first date. Okay. Go. Rape. No, no, no. Four words. Oh. Like something you would say. Oh, four yeah. words, not just four. Yeah. Like a like uh, a four-word sentence, you mean? Yeah. I sure like raping. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Trump is my guy. Mm. That kid's kind of sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I collect expired food. Oh, your boobs look great. I'm smarter than you. You drink too much. You'll be paying tonight. Nice. <laughs> nice. I forgot my wallet. Mom's picking me up. My mom is here. Oh, look, my boyfriend. <laughs> Can my sister join us? Oh, too many? One too many. Yeah. Can my sister join? Not as good. Yeah, not mm. quite as okay, good. But okay. close, close. Do you like threesomes? What? I showered today. We're going to Denny's. Do you like parties? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think we get the gist of that. That was good. That was good. Gonna get a lot of stuff in there. So here's the gist of this, and it's not a game anymore. It's really an exercise. And when it's all over, you will totally, I hope, uh, understand what the point of it was. Here's the goal of this next activity. I want you to think of um, a story that you can relate to me in less than two minutes. So it's got to be like a either a very quick to tell story. Yeah, a quick to tell story of something that uh, you witnessed or happened to you in the last couple of weeks that has some emotional resonance with you personally, but like not, <clears throat> not a long story, something that can be told uh, an, an event and, and, in, and a happening in an instant uh, that can be described in two minutes or less. And I'm just going to listen. And then I'm going to try and tell that story back to you. Okay? Mm -hmm. So think about uh, which event or instance or whatever uh, you want to talk about. And then when you're ready, start. I've been playing Minecraft quite a bit lately, and I've been, I build my own server, so I don't have to play it on my own computer, so my client is fully powered. And um, so I've been playing quite a few hours, building stuff, and just the way Minecraft is, it's just a fucking sandbox, and you just build uh, these huge things that actually take quite a bit of work and time and research to do. Anyway, so that I come up and to this thing that I want to do and it's not working in the version that I'm in. And I happen to be two uh, versions behind. So I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna upgrade. So I went to upgrade and it's been so long since I've done work in IT that I didn't take the proper precautions when doing an upgrade. So I started 
and it went fucking sideways. And there was moments of pure panic. Like, oh shit, I did this to myself. It's all gone. What am I going to do? But then my technical hat allowed me to dig out of the bullshit and I saved it. And then pure elation. And I continue on. Great. Okay. So I play Minecraft and I decided to, I built my own server so that, you know, I've taken that off of the system so that I can just do the, the client, the game. And, um, I'm, you know, Minecraft, it's a thing that you can just, you know, sort of build whatever you want in this world, this environment. And I had built some stuff and what I was trying to accomplish, it wasn't working because what I was trying to do was only possible in the latest version and I was two versions behind. So I went to the process of upgrading to the latest version, but before I did, I never bothered doing any of the things that you're supposed to do in preparation for a major upgrade. And wouldn't you know it, shit went sideways, nothing worked, everything's a complete disaster. And uh, thankfully, the only thing that saved me was the fact that, you know, my knowledge, I knew that there were some things that I could do to try to salvage the situation. And thank goodness, it worked. And I got myself out of that hole that I dug for myself. How'd I do? Yep. Pretty good. Pretty good? Yeah. So, good. describe how that went. Analyze and critique my retelling of your story. You missed the, the fear mm -hmm. and the desperation out of the loss. Okay. Um, and which then was then wrapped around with the pure happiness of, uh, of saving it. Right. Those were the key pieces... Rest of it was just superfluous information. Right. The emotional tie. And Got that's it. what missed. You had all the superfluous information. Okay. That's other than that, that's exactly what happened. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. How did you feel hearing your story told back to you by me? Analytical. Analytical? Yeah. 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 Re just telling the story concurrently with you. Right. Going, okay. Yeah. That's an interesting choice of words. Right. That's not the way I say it. Right. That's that's how Carl would so say that. So you were noticing that I was using slightly different terminology. Oh, absolutely. You, you were can... using Carl language. Right. You were speaking the way you do. Right. Telling my story. Right. Which changed the story, mm -hmm. um, but not radically. Right. But to my I got my the gist ears. of it. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. told the story. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So... <clears throat> there, there is, believe it or not, a point behind that activity. Okay. Um, it's not just used in improv. I use it just to exercise the act of effective listening. Right. Or the, the act of active listening. Yeah. Because <clears throat> as human beings, <laughs> when we are listening to other people talk, yeah. we are quite often preoccupied not really listening, or we are, 
but we're also thinking about what they're saying and thinking about what we're going to say in response to what they're saying. Yeah, I call it waiting to talk. Yep, exactly. A lot of it is waiting to talk, waiting to critique. Improvisers have to learn not to do that because it, it turns out that improv only works when everyone is paying attention right. to everyone else. Play together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're they're really paying attention to what's going on. Very cool. And yep. I found I found actually some really, really great quotes. There we go, that's the one. And when I read this one quote, I was like, <laughs> preach, brother, because this person said, improv teaches the importance of support through true listening. Right. And that wasn't the only quote that was amazing. The reason I even developed this active listening course is because a lot of times... The things that can go wrong in a collaboration in a work environment is when the person in charge isn't really listening to the options and ideas that their people are providing. Right. Because they've already made up their goddamn mind about what they want to do. They're just playing the game. Yeah, I'm going to give you a chance to put in your two cents. I really don't care. Yeah, I'm feigning interest. I'm here. feigning interest. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to shoot down every one of your ideas just, to, you know, so that I can justify why I'm not going to use any of them. True collaboration and creativity comes from active listening. Never mind, it's a great habit and a great skill to cultivate because when people do want to talk to you, it's not usually because they want your advice. It's because they just want you to listen. And so active listening is extraordinarily important. Um, it, it, uh, it cultivates friendships, it cultivates relationships, it cultivates creativity. Um, uh, it's a great way for a leader to prove that they actually give a crap about the things that people are saying. Um, it's wonderful for performers because uh, they get out of their heads and actually start paying attention to what the performers on stage are doing, which is what you need to do. Because, you know, again, when a, when a performer has skill in being clever, that actually becomes a handicap because then they start thinking about, oh, this is a story about cutting the, glo- the grass. I need to come up with the perfect punchline for this. I need to come up with a really clever way to end this story. And they stop paying attention to what's going on on the stage And then the next thing you know, they find that the story has taken a completely different direction. And now they're stuck with this stupid uh, punchline or ending that no longer makes sense. And now they're scrambling to keep up. And they're not even really part of the scene anymore. Right. And another reason why uh, active listening is so important is because if there are two or three or five people on stage they're not all going to be of the same skill level or the same mindset. Someone may be right on the ball on a particular show or a particular performance because they're just running on all cylinders and they're having a, you know, a really good time and there's nothing on their mind and they're not preoccupied and they're listening to everything that's going on mm-hmm. and they're reacting with... with uh, with genuine um, emotion and staying out of their head and p- 
putting their ego to bed. And then there are other performers who are not, and they're stumbling, and they're not coming up with what should happen next. Right. The reason why active listening is so important uh, in another context with the performers is because the performers need to be able to sense when the other people are struggling so that they can throw them a lifeline. You do what you can to make your partners look like geniuses by feeding them yeah. something that they can actually work with. Yeah. The way I envision it is it uh, improv is a completely... Uh, it isn't, but it should be a completely selfish, selfless action. Correct. Right? It's all about the other guy. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I'm here Absolutely. to... Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And the better you get at that, the more success you start having in your games of and course. your scenes. Because no matter what happens, you're either going to uh, be able to throw them a bone or just go, yeah, we're done. This one's crashing and burning. Yeah. <laughs> and and what's what I find curious about that is that if you see the scene fail with grace, the audience is quite after, often just as amused and entertained, even amazed by that, because they think, Jesus, I could never fail that gracefully. I'd be a sobbing pile of fucking goo on the side of the stage right now after what just happened. But nope, they just seem to like cheerfully walk off the stage and let the next group of people go and try something. Right. And that's kind of the whole point. And one of the reasons why I got so interested in these skill sets from a non-performer point of view was because... I saw that all of these skills were directly transfer, uh, transferable into life, and but, but most especially the workplace. If you could get people to regularly learn, hone, and practice these skills, you start to, you force them to realize that the key to success is listen, really listen, put your preconceptions aside, foster the creativity that your people naturally have to offer. It doesn't mean that every idea is going to be good, but you're never going to get any ideas if they realize you're not interested in any of them anyway. Absolutely. And, and that's kind of the whole point. Yeah. You know, trying everything and seeing where it goes good or bad can't be a bad thing to do ever no ultimately the uh the success and the failure lead you to the same place yes yeah they achieve the and same the failures goal. are the best lessons ever yeah absolutely. because you just go oh well fuck that didn't work and that's why you know when people call me on the phone at work uh and say Oh shit! Like I here here's what I did. The first words out of my mouth are always, "Bet you won't do that again," right. and we all have a good chuckle over it. So yeah, uh, I'd like to, if you don't mind, uh, read you more of the quotes. Sure. That I found on this one particular site, 
oh, I love this one. And, and, and it's, it's almost magical that this quote is by Keith Johnstone, the creator of theater sports in Canada at Loose Moose. He said, the improviser has to understand that his first skill lies in releasing his partner's imagination, mm -hmm. which is so poetic yeah, that's really and nice. true. Yeah. <laughs> the rules of improvisation apply beautifully to life. Never say no. You have to be interested to be interesting. Mm -hmm. And your job is to support your partners. Uh, the thing about improvisation is that it's not about what you say. It's listening to what other people say. It's about what you hear. <laughs> Improv groups get stale when the members stop surprising each other. Boy, how true is that? Just say yes and you'll figure it out afterwards. Tina Fey. Uh, oh, I love this. I absolutely love this. If we treat each other as if we were geniuses, poets and artists, we have a better chance of becoming that on stage. And that's a very, very uh, veteran uh, improviser by the name of Del Close. Uh, if you're in your head, then you're not here with me. Behave honestly and act honestly. That's all. <laughs> the improvisation is the art of being completely okay with not knowing what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then one more by Keith Johnstone. Enjoy things even when you're screwing up. Because you, you have to. You have to take the... You have to take that negative stigma away from failure. You take because the good. It's inevitable. You take the bad. You yep. take them both. And it's inevitable, you and you just gotta realize it's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I hope that kind of opened up the concept of it to you a little. It did. Like I said, there's a hell it's, of a lot more to discover and a hell of a lot more to discuss. It's interesting. I don't. It's not intentional to bring ego back into it, but something has, I don't know. I always thought that, I, like I said before, that that I was quick, mm -hmm. and that I, um, I always enjoyed that I was like that. But doing these exercises, uh, not only did I really enjoy them, but I think I really enjoyed them because I was, I found myself to be really good at all of them. Like I didn't struggle with any of them, and there was just. There was just joy in all of it, right? Even and, in the struggle, but it. But you don't know if you're going to be good at it. No, right? No. And then to find out that, like, it just happened, it was really very exciting. Yeah, for me too. Yeah, it's really very good. And in fact, I wanted to preface the show, but I'm glad that I didn't, because mm -hmm. it would have put an extraordinary amount of pressure on you. I wanted. I. I. All I could think about leading up to tonight's episode was because I've never done one-on-one -on -one improv activities with anyone before. Right. I've always had the luxury of being able to rely on the strength of numbers. Right. Easier to be bailed out. Totally. Yeah. Totally. You don't have to be as in focus with any particular individual. Responsible. Perfect. Yes, that's exactly what I meant. Thank you. You don't have to be as responsible for every individual because some of them are just going to get it and, and excel at it right away, setting a, a good tone, example, and pace. Others are going to 
almost get it and kind of be riding the coattails of the people who get it mm -hmm. right away, mm -hmm. uh, which is how the make you look like geniuses thing comes into play. Yeah. And then they're going to be the ones that are going to struggle for now because they've never done that before. Right. They've never allowed themselves to let go. They've never allowed themselves to get out of their head. They've never told their ego to get the fuck away for a while. They've never allowed themselves to be selfless. They've always been selfish. Right. Uh, or not even understand what that selfish means. Right. Yeah, being embarrassed is Because it's a common selfish. state of... Yeah. yeah. Um, and the beautiful thing about doing improv games with a quantity of people is that that's, exact, that's exactly what you're going to have. You're going to have a spectrum of ability and... Um, that spectrum will, if you keep working with those same people, evolve. The great people are going to keep getting a little bit better. The, the meh people are going to get great. And the, the people who, were, who could not do it at first are going to be surprisingly um, competent right. in a relatively short period of time. Right. As soon as they realize that they have it in them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's why every time the, the, the company gets together, they don't do the same stuff. Right. A, a different set of games is tried. Um, different people are put on stage together and the artistic director will say, okay, so what did you think about that? What worked? What didn't work? Oh, you're not so sure? Okay, well, I'll explain to you what worked and what didn't work. Uh, or they'll, or you'll stop them right in the middle of a scene because it's just absolutely going nowhere. You know, it's it's like cruise control and it's just, it, it's it's going to die yeah. a foul death or bore the crap out of the audience within the next 30 seconds uh, and say, you know, uh, try this instead. Uh, one of my oh, there is a game that I learned how to play in my in my own acting training, from my instructor whose name is uh, Georgette Paré. She ta taught at uh, U of C, and I met her because she was teaching a, a acting for adults uh, course over two terms. Oh my God. She would have us start a scene and only let it go for like a minute, a minute and a half. And then she would say, okay, stop. And she'd say, now, with everything you just did and said still fresh in your mind, start the scene over, but play it. You are in lust with each other. Lust. Go. And... It's the same words, the same story, but we're emoting, you know, yeah. total and utter lust for each other. Right. And it's bonkers right. hilarious. And yeah. then, boop, stop, okay, rewind, do it again. This time, you cannot stand the smell of the other person. It is wretched. Right. Go. Yeah. And it's like you're trying to do the scene, but they are just, and you want to get away from them as much as, but, and it just, right. 
the emotional flavor that gets added to the same story being told again, mm -hmm. you think, oh, boy, that's going to be boring. No. No, no. It totally changes. It's a different story. It's a time. completely different story. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's so much fun. And, um, and, and they're all improv games. Mm-hmm. Every single thing that we were doing in that class was a goddamn improv game, except for the the few basic acting technique activities of you know telling a story without words, yeah, 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 using yeah, yeah. your your body and building mm -hmm. models on stage using human forms and right. experiencing the space and right, right, right. all of that stuff that they normally teach you would, um, that may or may not resonate with you when you're performing a script in a movie or a play or a TV show or whatever. But it's the improv games that really resonated with me because I saw them for what they were. And then, you know, uh, the rest of my time with that has all been trying to find ways to... Um, make those games applicable to just getting people out of their shells and out of their heads and uh, interested in collaborating with each other and um, stimulating each other's creativity. Yeah, I think a big, a big struggle is that people... Now, you can't speak with everybody, but generally speaking, yeah. is that a lot of people don't understand the joy that comes with that creativity. I know. Like, it's not even something Until you that's... you do it. Like, you have no idea. You no. can't even imagine. No. All you see is being embarrassed. That's right. All you see is being embarrassed. And if that's all you've experienced, that's all you expect. Right. Right. And for me, I think that's why I really enjoyed today's episode is because we started out talking about it and I was always... Like, I suffer really significant third-party embarrassment. Okay. Really, really, really significant. I can't watch some TV shows. Oh, right. Yes. Turn shit we were off. About right. This. Yes. And um, I was concerned uh, that it might hold me back. Right. But then I realized, like, it just didn't. I don't know. I didn't realize it. Like, I just, I just didn't. I just, like, I'm. I got nothing to be embarrassed about. This is simply just. Just fun. I'm having fun. Would it have been any different had you been trying this with someone you didn't know? No. Okay. No, I don't think so. Good. No. Now, to be fair, I have some experience with uh, with improv, not from a uh, being taught it or anything mm -hmm. like that, but my friend Dane and I, mm -hmm. we used to go out and we would make up songs and just on the spot... And sing songs that were like two minutes long and just back and forth, right. back and forth. Making and it up as you go. Made it up as we go. Yeah. And Which it is was, the funnest thing ever. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Especially if you can make it work. Right. Yeah. And you did. And then other times you bombed. And it's interesting to recognize the times that you bombed is when you stopped and you got in your head. Yeah. Like you just got to let it go. Right. Right, and uh, like when you do let it go, there's a, a bunch of joy that a lot of people don't know even could exist. Like you said earlier, everybody can do this. It, oh, yeah. it doesn't take an artsy-fartsy drama weirdo to do it. Everybody has 
the ability to just speak. Mm-hmm. It's we just can. And and I think I will talk about this. This will be the the uh, the closing, uh, or I would like this to be the the, the closing of the episode. Um, the like I mentioned earlier, teased earlier, the penultimate example of this. And and which is why I respect this person, and I'm in awe of this person. Uh, beyond description is there is a veteran improviser from Loose Moose who, by the name of Rebecca Northern. She's from Calgary. She now lives in Toronto with her husband, and she created a theater, a stage show called Blind Date. And the premise is genius. The people show up at the theater. And she, in character, already wearing her dress and her red clown nose, mingles in the audience looking for potential partners to bring up on stage, to be her date, her blind date. Mm -hmm. She's looking for guys that she would be comfortable interacting with. Okay. People, guys that, you know, she would actually consider going on a date with. Based on a little bit of chit-chat, da-da-da-da, how they look, how they purport, you know, conduct right. themselves, etc. Yeah, being Single honest. or not. Yeah, being honest. Yep, yep. Okay? And okay. then when the show starts, it starts with her at the table, at the cafe, the other chair's empty. Hello, everybody. I'm waiting for my blind date. Thank you very much. My name is Mimi. la 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 and of course, you know, the, the date never shows up. So now she wants to at least salvage some part of the thing. And would somebody like to be my date? And she's kind of hoping that the, some of the one of the men who she spotted volunteer, which is perfect. But if not, she kind of gently probes to see whether she can get them to agree. Whoever she ends up bringing up on stage... And they do come willingly, maybe not in the first second, but uh, eventually they they just say, yeah, what the hell, let's do this. Mm -hmm. She then spends the next 90 minutes with an intermission in the middle, leading them through scenes of their life together, starting with the blind date and then another date, the first kiss, moving in together, the trials and tribulations of living together the engagement, the marriage, the kid, the whole, everything in 90 minutes. And it is something to behold because the person on stage is just a regular person. Right. No, no training, no preparation. Right. She is directing the play with an amateur. Right. And pulling it off in... A way you could never imagine. Right. Every time. Yeah, that's fantastic. Because even the bombs are gold. They are. Yeah. Even the bombs are gold. And the relationship is poor. You know, the only real, the only real, uh, like, you know, sure, she has the story down that she wants to, to travel. Right. But it's... The resistance to go, you know, going like, how long does it take before they finally have the courage to kiss her? Right. And she's trying to get them to do it, right? Because that's what happens. That's what takes the relationship to the next level. 
And all they're thinking, they're looking at the girlfriend or the wife in the audience. They right. just they don't want to. And it's funny because there, there have been, uh, I've watched this show so many times, it's not even funny. And I remember one time where the boyfriend wouldn't do it, even though he wanted to. Mm-hmm. You could tell he wanted to because it was the logical thing to do. But he kept checking in with the girlfriend. And because he couldn't see her, he was nervous to do what had to be done. She has this perfect system where she takes them out of the scene and they go over to the timeout chair. And when you're sitting in the timeout chair, you've broken the fourth wall. Right. And you can now coach the person and say, okay, so is there a in problem? In front of the audience? Yeah. Okay. Is there a problem? You're, it's the girlfriend, right? That's the problem. You're afraid right. that the girlfriend is, does not want you to kiss me, right? Right. We get the lights up and it's like, girlfriend, what do you think? Should he do it? And, you know, she'll be like, yes. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah Hell do yeah. It. Do it. Right. And, you know, so whenever there are obstacles that have to be overcome, she just stops the scene, takes them out, of, breaks Excellent. the fourth wall, coaches them to the, the, the bravery level they need to be at to just do the damn scene already. Right. And then they get right back into yeah. it and carry The permission on. of yeah, whatever. Exactly. Whatever the She's coaching of. them. She's mm-hmm. guiding them. She's directing them. And they're just fucking going along for the ride, man. And it yeah. is so amazing yeah. to watch because they bring their personalities to bear. Of course. And it's just so bloody amazing. I use the word permission, and the whole time you're telling the story, that's all I see her doing. Yeah. Is there, she's giving them permission to, to do just what be. has to be done. Yeah. And like, it has to be done for the story. Right. But permission In for your them, way. But just be yeah. you. That's right. Like, permission to be honest and just let go. That's beautiful. That's really cool. I would have liked to have seen that. So if yeah. if I ever hear it's coming back into town, please let me know. I will definitely let you know. I would like to see that. And she did a smart thing too. She didn't hog this idea to herself. She perfected it, uh, toured it across Canada, then into the states. Yeah. And then uh, other improvisers <laughs> came and said, "Hey, I think I can do that. Can we right. get me up to speed so that I can take this on stage too?" Uh, and what was funny was I think the next performer to do it was gay. Fun. So she did Blind Date, brought a girl on stage. Right. Which played, you know, really, really well. That's got to be so encouraging. I would imagine someone who isn't in the world... Of performance. Of performance or and just is watching it. I can just imagine the excitement you would have leaving. Oh, just be yeah. because, like, holy fuck! You wouldn't be anybody able to stop can do this. About it. Yeah, anybody no. can do this. And you know what the funny part was is well, that critics, yeah, drama critics, theater critics who attended the play, yeah, were going, no, there's no fucking way that that person wasn't a plant, and it had to be explained by other people who attended the show. No. I know that guy. He's got no theater experience at all. He's not an actor. This was just a regular guy. But she made it easy. She made it easy. She made him a genius. She made him look like a genius, which is... The whole point. It's what you do. It's what you do. Man, that's really neat. That's really neat. What an incredible experience. To both 
to be a part of, but to watch. Oh, it was a joy to watch it. I imagine just that person going up there, the terror. Oh, yeah. The terror. But, and, but there's ego, too. You know, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be funny. Sure. Oh, yeah, not in the way you think, yeah. though. Yeah. Oh, you're going to be funny. But you're going to be funny in how you're reacting to what the fuck she's doing right, right. now on the stage. Right. That's what's going to be funny, is the look on your face and how you're reacting with genuine emotion. Right. I imagine that that ego and exactly what happened with us in the first game is that you fight it for a bit. And you're right. in your head and you're... And then you realize. And then you realize. And then you make that eye contact. Yeah. And you stop thinking about it. And then it just happens. And you're just like, oh. That's right. But no, you don't even go, oh, okay. It just is now. And you realize, oh, we're just playing here. All right, well, Or you don't. Or you don't realize it. And you're just going. Going. For the ride, yeah. You're just going. It's like a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. The hardest part would be the intermission. Because then you got to come back. Yes. And the intermission is timed very well it would in need the telling to be, yeah. of the story. It would have to be. Yep, because you're going from the conclusion of the first part of the relationship to the beginning of the next part of the relationship when things start to get a little bit more intense. Sure. Because now you've had a chance to kind of feel each other out, and now, now we're taking the story to its conclusion. Right. And the stakes are going to be higher. And the stress is going to be a bit higher. During the intermission, is she spending time with this person? Or does she oh, just yeah. like, fuck off? No. you be back here no. in 15 minutes. No, no. She's checking in, making sure that everything is cool. Right. So how do you feel about this? Yeah. Is there anything you need to say? Get off your chest. Right. Is there anything I can do to make you feel more comfortable? Right. Neat. That's really cool. You having any second thoughts? And usually the answer is, no way. Are you kidding? At some point, you know you're in it to win it, man. Holy crap, man. This is incredible. Yeah, like I was saying, the fucking joy. like I'm in the goddamn movie right now. The joy that shows up. Yeah. That you don't even know that's there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not something you can explain Mm -hmm. to somebody. They have to just experience it. So I, I hope that as more of those performances uh, are presented around the world that other people get an idea to go, shit, I got an idea for a performance like this, except it ain't going to be a blind date. It's going to be, I'm a detective looking for a criminal and here's a bystander and we're going to get them involved in solving this crime, you know, or or whatever. Because it doesn't... but. I mean, the, the whole blind date premise was perfect because oh. you're taking somebody and they have no idea what they're getting into. They think they're just having a date with the person and that's just, that's it. And the emotional investment. And nope. Oh, you yeah, have that's no wild. idea what's about to happen. That's you wild. are going to live your entire life with this person in the next 90 minutes. Incredible. In a series of vignettes. Neat. That will culminate with... I won't spoil it for you. Right. <laughs> Right. In case you ever get to see no, it. No, please. Yeah, I would, I would love to see it. <laughs> it's freaking hilarious. Cool. Just to get the reaction from the other person. It's like, what the fuck right. is happening right now? Exciting. Yeah. That's very exciting. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. So, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. To... 
Next time. That was good. There's gonna be a lot of editing now. I don't think. Except for the pauses.